man, isn't that cool? So, so much is happening. And yeah, let's clap for that. It's just so fun. I don't know if you've heard, but just the things that are happening in our high school ministry and in our whole student ministry is just amazing. They named it uh, Movement just about a year ago, and I got to tell you, they, they named it aptly because we just have the sense God is really moving in our next generation. You could call them our now generation because they're stepping into places of leadership, doing some amazing things. And we had 16 high school students, many of them seniors, uh, go down into the waters and declare that their, their old life is gone and they were raised up out of the water saying, my life is now new in Jesus. And I want you just to um, celebrate with me the names of each one of those 16. I just want to say it out loud. Neil Bates, Ryan Bates, Alex Blue, Quinlan Brown, Deshaun uh, Clanton, Abby Drum, Haley Fowler, Daphne Giuseppe, Kylie Hall, Kyrie Jackson, Grant Lankford, Cameron Liker, Matt Paulson, Mackenzie Schaefer, Drew Yosh, and Corey Zink. Let's give it up for them. Yeah. So we are, um, we, as Nick said, we're just taking the day to, to tell stories and to celebrate what God is doing, has done will be doing as we just have the sense of anticipation rising towards next Sunday at Kill Creek Park. I want to begin, though, with a, um, a story from the scriptures of, of baptism, and it happens in Acts chapter 8. And, and the premise of this story is what we really believe around here, which is this, that God is still moving. God is still speaking, and uh, his people, we were trying to learn how to hear what he's saying and just follow that next step, that next nudge. And that was true for Philip 2,000 years ago. Philip was just hanging out, minding his own business, when he heard like God give him this nudge, this prompt, which said, Philip, I want you to go south to the desert road. And he's like, the desert road? Yeah, to the desert road, like between uh, Jerusalem and Gaza. And that was all that he heard. That was like the nudge, the sense, and it probably made no sense, but he just did it. He just took a step. There was no like, and here's what's going to happen. There was no like, and then you'll meet someone. There was none of that. It's just like, I want you to go to this road. And, and, and the road was not like in some tropical paradise. It was in the desert. And he, and he does it. And, um, and what I love about that is just this simple, I hear a nudge and I follow. I, I hear this prompt, I sense this thing, and I'm just gonna step into it. That's the adventurous way of following Jesus. I had a friend once describe it as a Kleenex box. He said, you know, when you like grab a Kleenex, you pull it up, and then another one pops up. But it's not until you pull the one in front of it that the second one pops up. Does that make sense? Okay, because I got a Kleenex box over there. I could actually demonstrate for you. But you, you get the picture of it? I remember sharing that with a friend of mine, Ted Ingalls. He's like this big, like, gnarly, like, rough and tumble, you know, guy. And I'm like, you like that, Ted? He goes, no. That's a stupid analogy, he said. I, I think he has a thing against Kleenex. But anyways, but anyways, that's a little bit of what the, the life of just the, the nimble, adventurous life of following Jesus. You hear a nudge, you sense a prompt, and you just move out on it. And that's what Philip did. And so he goes down to this road. He's in the middle of this desert, desert road between Gaza and Jerusalem. And there's these passerbys. I mean, this is a fairly well-traveled road. And then he sees this royal chariot. 
and it's just decked out with all sorts of like pomp and circumstance and royal bling and, and flags and the whole thing. And that was pretty, uh, pretty easy to see. You couldn't miss in the midst of all the just kind of, as it were, normal travelers to see this royal chariot going down the road. But what was difficult maybe to see what was going on in the inside of that chariot. So it must have caught Philip's eye. There must have been, you might say, like a spiritual curiosity. And what was going on inside of that is, see, this was a chariot from Ethiopia, and inside was the treasurer of the entire country of Ethiopia. And he was a man who was just simply, we'd just say, he was hungry. And he'd actually come um, up from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship but he didn't know why or how. Some of you might be here this morning going, I'm here in this room, we just had amazing music, people were singing, something really unique was happening. There was this compelling sense of, wow, people are, maybe you've had the sense of like, people actually wanna be here. I don't know if like your, your old church experience was like people just go to church to like pay off what the day, they did the night before or it's like the more boring it is, the more spiritual it must be. I, I don't know, but maybe you had a sense this morning like something's happening here, but I don't quite know what it is. And it seems that was the sense of this treasurer, this, this statesman from Ethiopia. He went to worship, but he didn't know who, and he didn't know how, he didn't know what. He was just drawn, he was just compelled to this moment, and he had, in his hands, he had this scroll. And the scroll was from an Old Testament book, that's what we would call it, called Isaiah. And he's reading it out loud, which I find interesting. I don't normally read out loud unless I'm reading to others. But there he is by himself, and he's reading it out loud. And Philip is alongside the road, and he sees this royal chariot, and here comes the next tissue. Here comes the next prompt. It just says, go up beside the chariot. That's all he hears. So first it's go to the road of Gaza, then it's go up alongside the chariot, and the chariot hasn't stopped for him. So now he's just kind of running along, and you can imagine kind of guards posted on the edge of this, this chariot, right? And he's just kind of running along, and he hears this man uh, reciting from the prophet Isaiah, and he says, do you understand what you're reading? And he's still running. I mean, you gotta be in shape back in those days, right? He's got his Jesus sandals on. I mean, he's good to go, right? And the man, like, literally says, no, I don't. How can I? Because no one can explain it to me. And Philip's just going, well, I can explain it. And the man orders the chariot to stop. And he says, come on up. And he comes on in, and he sits down in the chariot. And the scriptures say that he takes the very passage that this man was reading from, and he says, in essence, this is where we have to infer a little bit, he says, I actually got to walk with the man who fulfilled that very passage that was written five, 600 years earlier. I got to walk with the man who did that very same thing that Isaiah said would happen, and his name is Jesus. And I walked with him, I lived with him, I saw miracles, I saw all of this, and he gave his life. He was crucified on a Roman cross, and an Ethiopian statesman would know exactly what that meant. He says, and the craziest thing on the third day is actually, though he was dead, he was alive again. And then we got to see him ascend into the heavenly realm. And he says one day he will return and make all, all things new. The person that Isaiah was speaking to, oh statesman, is Jesus, my friend and whom I am a follower. And you can just imagine how the conversation ensued. You can just Im imagine that the, this Ethiopian man who God had precipitated in his heart. See, God wasn't only speaking to Philip, God was also speaking to him. That's what prompted him to inconvenience himself from Ethiopia all the way to Jerusalem. I'm sure he had many other things he could have done. 
Many other things he could have given himself to, but he was feeling these prompts, these nudges, this, I'm almost like, I can't shake this. It's almost downright agitating because I've got questions and no one will give me answers. And so I'm going to go all the way up to Jerusalem. And he experiences the whole thing. And now he's traveling home, by the way. And he's somewhat discouraged because he still doesn't know what it's all about until some dude starts running up alongside his chariot, shouting at him. He probably thought he was asking for money until he, he heard the question, do you understand what you're reading? And now he's got this man beside him in the chariot and as again, as we imagine this conversation unfolding, the man's like, well, tell me, what do I do? What, what do I do if this man Jesus is alive? And if you're saying that his spirit actually lives in you today and you're following him and it's changing you like that, then what do I do? And I can just imagine Philip going, well, you just say yes to him. Like his spirit is available to you today and you just say, yes, I receive what you did on the cross for me. Yes, I believe that you have been in the grave. And yes, I want to become one of your followers today. And as it appears, the man said, I want to do that. Now what do I do? And he probably just prayed the prayer and Philip's like, well, I, here's what I did. I don't know, you could do it this way. I don't know, but basically you just say yes to Jesus. That's how you become, in our vernacular, that's how you become a Christian and then, actually, what we all did was we went and found water and we got baptized. Why? Well, because we get baptized as an outward declaration to make all this personal stuff that's happening, receiving the love of God, uh, just sharing our love back to him, we make it public, like you, like you might a wedding. I mean, the, the, the beautiful thing about a wedding is you take all that's real, all the, the love that you have for the other person and that they have for you, and you say, we're gonna shout it from the rooftops. There's something that seals the, the moment, that secures the love in, in, a, in a covenant when you take what's already happening, already very personal and very real, but you invite your broader community, you do it before God. And you say, this is forever. And it's a bit like that. Baptism is that out loud moment of an inward, ongoing transformation. Where in essence, just like in a marriage, you, 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 know, you, you share or you take the last name. That's what happens in the moment of baptism, I suppose. You, you take your father's last name and you pronounce out loud who he is to you and that you're following him. And Philip, again, I'm just imagining how he's explaining all this, but it leads to this moment where the statesman from Ethiopia says, as they're going along the road, well, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Isn't that a great question? Do you notice how non-religious that moment was? Do you notice how he didn't say, um, and we do this, he didn't say, well, is there a registration form? For that, he, he didn't say, do I have to go through a class to do that? We do a class, we do a registration form, please sign up, please go, right? But there, there was none of that. There wasn't a checklist of let's like look at your life. What have you done? What have you not done? Um, what did you do last night? What are you gonna do tomorrow? There, there was no like behavioral assessment in this moment. There wasn't, he didn't have to genuflect. He didn't have to do any sort of thing. He just goes, this is happening in my heart and there is water and I wanna make public what is, what 
has been happening since Ethiopia to my journey here to Jerusalem and all the way back. I got to make it public because you can't contain what is so real and becoming ever more so true in your life. You just can't keep it. It wasn't meant to be private. No love is. And so it says that they stopped the chariot and Philip, by the way, who uh, was not ordained, who uh, wasn't wearing a frock or a collar. He wasn't doing any of those things. He was just a dude like you and me, right? They got down, they went to the water, and this man probably felt a little awkward in his royal robe and all of his royal bling. Who knows exactly how he was all decked out. Didn't matter. He went into the water. He went down proclaiming that all of his life, all of his success, all of his failures that maybe some knew or didn't know, all of his titles, all of his affluence, all of his doubts, everything was going with him down in that moment. And he was declaring that his old life was gone. He was identifying with the death of Jesus on his behalf and saying, I receive your forgiveness for me. And, he, and as he was lifted up out of the water, he was receiving the resurrection life of Jesus on his behalf and saying, I come out of these waters new. You see, for this, for this man, for this statesman, it was his time. It was his time. And he knew it. And sure, did he have questions? Absolutely. Was he a perfect dude? No. Had he worked it all out? Absolutely not. And for so many that have and that are and that will go down in the waters next week at Kill Creek Park, it's exactly the same for you. Maybe you didn't know. Maybe you just needed someone to explain. And you're like, how do I know unless someone explains it to me? That's just like the Ethiopian man. Or maybe for you, like so many, you were baptized as an infant or as a young child. And we just believe what God, um, what, what your parents did on your behalf. We just believe it delights God. It, uh, we want to honor that moment. But you also have this sense like, now is my time. Like my time for me personally to say, stop the chariot. And whatever I'm, wherever I am and whatever I'm doing, let me go find some water to proclaim out loud the love of Christ on my behalf and my love for him. Maybe you're in that place where you've been, you have some success, you have some title, you've, but you've got all these underlining questions and there's a bit of agitation, and you're just going, something is happening here, and can you hear his voice? Is he drawing you? Is he nudging you? Is he calling you to the waters? I want you to hear from someone who went to the waters just about, I don't know now, a month or so ago. He's one of the 16 high school students uh, that went down in the water, came back up, and he's just got the coolest story. Uh, his name is Matt Paulson. I'm going to ask Matt and, uh, and his buddies to come on up. Come on up, guys. Um, we'll, we'll clap for you here in a second as you get up to the stage. But I've had the opportunity to watch. These are our uh, graduating senior guys, at least those that could get up for the 9 o'clock service, right? <laughs> and um, they have just been loving on uh, Matt. And... Um, and basically, they've come alongside the chariot, and they wouldn't get off. And so would you please welcome Matt Paulson and, and his friends here. Come on around here. Now, uh, before you go, Matt, or before you start, 
let's just uh, introduce these, these guys here. So we got Dwayne Benny, and I just gotta brag on Dwayne. Dwayne has been uh, the high school small group leader for these guys for the last four years. And uh, in this last year, I've had the opportunity just to kind of jump on with, with Dwayne, and, and we've done a couple of retreats together. I have never seen a more devoted, passionate, deep-hearted adult leader than Dwayne Benny. And the fruit of what you're gonna hear today is so much from, from this guy. Corey Zink, Garrett Orenberg, and Jared Coop, also one of our uh, adult leaders as well. So we're so grateful, and Matt, share just a bit of your story, bud. All right, so a few years ago, I was really not into religion. Uh, I self-identified as an atheist and wanted no part of God or his love. Uh, recently, however, uh, I had been reevaluating my path of faith. And eight months ago, my friend Grant invited me to come to movement on Wednesday night. And I said no. Uh, <laughs> the, next w the next week, he asked me again and again and again. And then finally, like a month later, I was like, whatever. I'll go, I have nothing better to do. <laughs> uh, there I found the most welcoming community I'm likely ever to be in. Uh, it was so easy to get along with everyone and they were so excited to have me. The whole community was based on God's love and I realized that I wanted what they had. So I came back next week. Um, after getting to know all these guys from the senior small group a little bit, I recognized that these are the best people I've ever hung out with. Like I was a good student, and I love all the friends I made in high school, but these guys brought out the best in each other and myself. Uh, so I, I kept coming back to be part of the social community of my small group. Um, the first part of movement, the actual message, either skipped or just kind of sat through. Uh, every week though, uh, we talked about the message and connected it to our lives. And eventually I found myself really invested in that too. So I started paying attention and actually growing. Uh, then one Wednesday, it was worship night, so instead of a message, uh, the worship band just played, and we all just was thinking and conversing about the real things. Uh, and I was talking to Jared, um, and uh, out of nowhere, I just felt called, and together, um, he helped me uh, legitimately like pray for the first time. And I felt the Holy Spirit move with me and got those goosebumps uh, as I finally accepted God's love into me. And it was such a great experience. And like I saw the light, and I was telling these guys about it. And they were like, you should get baptized. And as luck would have it, movement was having a baptism two weeks later. They planned it. They knew it was coming. So <laughs> I signed up not really knowing what it was. Uh, but I was excited. I was ready. Uh, I was not physically ready to get baptized. Uh, I should have gone to the class uh, because I showed up in jeans. And so, yeah, I was kind of embarrassed when I realized I'd get all the way into the water. Uh, but I was ready anyway. So I got up on the stage in April. I declared the good news of Christ and uh, Joe, Dan, and Dwayne lowered me into the waters and I was reborn in Christ. Uh, it was another one of those moments, like worship night, and just glowing in the Holy Spirit. So good. Woo! Uh, so now, now movement's done for me. I've graduated and I'm moving out of town in the fall. Uh, but I'm left with a clarity of purpose and faith that God will put me where I need to be for him.
uh, in the meantime, I'm spending all summer working at Youthfront, which is a church camp in Gardner, uh, which is continuing to strengthen, strengthen my faith as I continue to learn and grow. Man, that's awesome. Hey, let's, uh, let's come around, Matt. Let's just pray over you, buddy. Push you out a little bit further into the front of the stage. Keep pushing, keep pushing. Don't kick over the communion elements. Good. So, Father, we just say thank you. I'm just struck by, um, by Matt, the trajectory pivot turn in your life in just the last, what, say, six months. And here you are now. You're investing in the life of other kids at a summer camp, sharing the good news of Jesus. Um, just curious, don't answer the question, but just in the spirit of prayer, like what would you have been doing with your summer? And what would the future have looked like if it weren't for these guys coming around you, their persistence, their running alongside your chariot? God, I thank you for these young men and for these leaders who are giving their lives away for the sake of other people. This good news is too good to keep to ourselves, and I thank you that it's infectious and contagious, and it overflows from their life into Matt's life as it's now overflowing in the life of hundreds of others. So God, we just praise you, we say thank you, and we ask just, God, we know that the road from here is not perfect. We know there are bumps and detours and side tours and everything else, but it's your grace that sustains us. It's your grace and your love that's enough. And we just pray, would you just anchor Matt in that truth, your love for him, your forgiveness of all time over him, and your deep purposes for him. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. All right, let's thank Matt and crew one more time. Isn't that cool? When I was in high school, I, um, I was challenged by a youth pastor that said the only way to reach students is by students reaching students. And that's pretty much true. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to disqualify parents, right, or, uh, or any other adult influences. But there's something so beautiful when at such a formative age, something takes root, takes hold, and lays a foundation by which there's a pivot point, a trajectory of life change from there. And we're seeing that actually all around this building and uh, all around our community outside of this building. About six years now, maybe seven, um, Shabu Matthew, our student uh, ministry director, and Steve Weatherford, who at the time was our high school pastor, they came to our senior leadership team and they just said, you know what, we're tired of keeping a low bar for our students. There's so much more capacity in who they are and what God has given them, and we don't want to be in the entertainment business. We don't want to just like buy a bunch of Nintendo, you know, consoles and have, you know, Nintendo. And they're like, trust me, we're all about fun, but we think there's so much more, especially when you think about a guy like Philip, who was probably not much further in age than our high school students were. When you think about how the apostles and the disciples who changed the world were much closer to adolescence than to adulthood. And they had this thing in their hearts and they said, what we're asking of you senior leadership team is will you allow us to implement a discipling model where we're gonna call our high school students to a high bar of discipling their next generation, which is middle school students. And middle school students actually reaching down and caring for grade school students. This whole kind of generational cascading model 
of discipling. Is that cool, by the way? Is that visionary? You're, you're like, yeah, did it work? Well, let me just tell you. So I'm going to, again, take you back to about now five, six years ago, and there was a high school student, Megan Derry, who when asked, would you be a discipling coach of middle school students? She said yes. And so every week she would go in and take her Sunday mornings, and she would pour into middle school students. One of them was Madison Shoemaker. And Madison Shoemaker so loved what she was receiving from Megan Derry. And for those three or two, three years, we just had her life grow, her foundation be formed, and she just loved Megan. And so when she got to high school, guess what she wanted to be? A high school coach. And so she, she did, went through all the training and she began to pour into some middle school students herself once she was in high school. And she did that for another two plus years. And one of the girls in her group was Karina Swanson. Same thing happened for Karina. Her life was poured into, she was equipped, she was developed, she was discipled. So when she got into high school, guess what she wanted to be? She wanted to be a high school coach and pour into middle school students, which she is doing now today. One of the girls in her group is my daughter, Brianna. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? And so it was about six weeks ago that I'm in the kitchen and my daughter, Brianna, says, Dad, I think I want to be baptized. Now, there's a story to that. There's 12 years of growth and learning. But there's Megan into Madison, into Karina, into my daughter, and into so many others. I want you to see here are the, the many that got baptized in our middle school just in the last few weeks. Dalen Armstrong, Isabel Sonali, Brianna Diebel, Ethan Diaz, Eva Gazaway, Adria Heinauer, McKenna Morrill, Faith Robbins, Iris Sullivan, and Grayson Williams. Can we just give them a big round of applause? And we want you to see uh, their moment here on video. Let's watch. Just celebrate again what God's doing. So amazing. So many stories there. And I have one more story for you all uh, to enjoy. This is Hannah Van Brunt. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you. And Hannah got baptized last fall here in this room. Sometimes we baptize in this room and in the back room called the dock. And uh, this next Sunday, of course, we'll be at Kill Creek Park outside at 9 a.m. But Hannah, you, uh, you came to like the 9 or 11 a.m. service on Baptism Sunday. I did. And um, something so stirred in you that you came back to the five to make sure you didn't miss it. So I'd just love to have you um, share your journey and your story. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm normally back in the booth. This is not something I do well with being up here. So this is a big ask for God. And I immediately said yes. <laughs> So I was not raised in a Christian home. That's not to say that my upbringing was bad. It was absolutely amazing. And I am blessed with two of the most incredible parents a girl could ask for. So growing up, I explored a lot of religions that honestly just left me feeling very empty and with a lot of unanswered questions. So in my searching for more, I found myself in a lot of very unhealthy and unstable relationships. And it was one of those relationships that was my absolute breaking point. And that breaking point led me to finding the love that only Jesus can provide to us. And then through a friend, I quickly found Heartland. 
and the amazing community here. And it was here that I began to experience God in a way I didn't know was possible or available to somebody like me. And then, as Dan mentioned, in November of 2018, I was baptized at the 5 p.m. service. So I'd come early to the 9. This is my time. I always come early. And I felt such a tug on my heart from God asking me to walk in faith and declare my life to him through baptism. But I'll be really honest, I was scared and nervous. I didn't know what that meant, so I went home. I prayed, and I asked those around me what they thought. Of course, they said yes, so I immediately hopped on the Heartland app and signed up for the 5 p.m. Making the decision to walk in faith and become baptized was the biggest and best one I have ever made. And while my life is not perfect, I can see now so, so clearly where God is and has always been moving. He has always been chasing me down. He's redeeming the parts of me that were broken before I came to the feet of Jesus, and he's healing all of the parts that I used to hide away so no one could see them, letting his light shine through. He's also teaching me to let others in, and he has let some incredibly amazing and loving people into my life and heart. And also, he's removed people that weren't supposed to be there in the first place when I had stepped ahead of God and tried to make my own plans. So while the road isn't easier or smoother, knowing I've got Jesus and walking alongside him makes it all the easier to navigate. Awesome. Let me just pray for you. So God, we just say thank you for Hannah. There's something just uh, so unique about her spirit. Um, I've just sensed her availability. When I first met her at the 5 p.m. service, there was this lean-in kind of hunger for you. Um, and Lord, we just know that, um, that you're so generous, a God. You're so gracious, and you're so tender with us that you just, you, you, you wait, you bide your time in, in this beautiful chase of yours to us. And you just wait for an available spirit, for someone to say, now's the time. And so, God, we just thank you um, that your love is not forced upon us. Your love is not demanded of us. Your love is just offered to us. And for Hannah to just simply say yes, to say thank you. And so, God, would you just continue to affirm for her just how much you love her? Would you continue to affirm for her your grace about her and around her and how it's always, always, always enough and we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We all say together, amen, amen. Thank you, Hannah. Let's just thank her one more time. <laughs> Hannah said some really important things there. I hope you caught it. It was all important, but things like, I know my life's not perfect. I know this isn't easy. If you look at actually Jesus got baptized, he went from this beautiful moment of receiving affirmation from the Father, um, like we all do in Christ, where, where the Father said to Jesus, you are my son whom I love, in you I am well pleased. Just the most beautiful moment of all, his baptism. And then he actually was led into the desert for 40 days. And sometimes that can be the case for somebody that experiences baptism. It's not, the, it's not pushing the easy button. It's not pushing the perfect button. 
It's declaring out loud that you trust God, that you trust his love, that his love, his forgiveness, his grace, and his purposes for you are enough. And he has so much more for you than you could ever, ever garner, earn, try to gain for yourself. That's the love of the Father that he has for you. When we get baptized around here, when the way that we do baptism, particularly, specifically, next week at the, at the lake, um, this, by the way, it's my, it's my favorite Sunday of the year. It is like so organic. It is so like just, I would just call it New Testament. We call it kind of the Super Bowl Sunday of the, of the year for us. But it's the 9 a.m. service, the 11 a.m. service, the 5 p.m. service. We all converge and we get to be all the kind of one Heartland spiritual family all together outside. It's like lo-fi. There's no like, there's no video screens or anything. We just get to be together. Come in your sandals and your shorts. Bring your, uh, bring your sunscreen, please. It's only a 30% chance of rain. So I'm just sure there's, it's going to be fine, people, is what it's going to be. Right. Bring your lawn chairs, bring food to grill out afterwards, bring your Frisbee, but bring your heart just to celebrate with the many that are going to be baptized and maybe come join and get baptized yourself. We'll put you in a little testimony group. Um, which means that you, your friends, your family who come to support you, or even if it's just you, will put you with some people that are your people, and you'll just do what these uh, two, what Matt and Hannah have done, just a short story of why you're getting baptized, celebrating out loud the inside truth of your love for Jesus and saying yes to his love in return. And, uh, and you'll do that, and then we'll lead you to the waters, and you'll get to go out to whomever you want to baptize you, and you can bring your friends, your family out in the waters with you. And uh, we'll, we'll ask you three questions as we hold your hand there in the water. We'll ask you this. Just look at this with me. We'll ask you, number one, are you committing today or saying yes to Jesus as Savior and forgiver for all your sins, past, present, future? And you just simply say yes. And then you'll say, and we'll ask you, are you committing to follow Jesus all of your days as Lord? And you say yes. Does it mean that there are detours, that you'll meander, that it's three steps forward, two back? Of course. Just like in a marriage, that's always true, isn't it? And then lastly, we'll ask you, are you locking arms with the family of God, his church? Are you joining this journey with a group of people because the spiritual life is not an isolating life. It is not an alone life. It is a together life with other followers of Jesus. We're a spiritual family, and you're saying yes to us and to the broader church as well. Three questions, very meaningful, very straightforward, to which you just say yes, and then we will lay you back into the waters and say, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we baptize you and then we lift you up and say, no longer your old life, now your new life in Jesus, as the scriptures say, you are a new creation. The old things have passed and new things have come. And that's what we want to invite you into. We're wondering, is this your time? Is this your time? You know, we've been in this series called Love Math 2.0, and we've been talking about the deep heart of God for relationship, the deep heart that we all have to have healthy and vibrant relationships, and we've been in the New Testament passage called Ephesians, where we have been 
looking at how do we thrive in particular relationships. And I just want to bring one little cap here at the end of our time to say there might be one more reason why baptism is so important. And so if you'll just hang with me here for a second, we've been kind of, we've been hinging upon this text, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, which says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And we've acknowledged right out of the gate, like the word submit, cringe factor, right? It just, we have this natural resistance, and in part because maybe we've experienced the idea of submission um, in really harmful, hurtful ways, coercive, manipulative, misappropriated, whatever it is, there's been all sorts of bad examples. Maybe you've experienced, you've seen, or you've observed, and we've kind of walked through that, right? And, and we've drawn this kind of triangle. Here's the love math part. It's a bit geometry that Paul says, submit to one another, right? So here's a person. Let's say that's you. Here's another person. Submit to one another out of, how does it happen? Out of reverence, or we could say out of a submission to Christ, And we've been working with this triangle in so many different ways to say the only way that this actually works, a mutual yielding, a mutual deferring, a mutual seeking of the other person's better interest, even over your own, happens as we give ourselves, submit ourselves to Jesus. Why, what what happens when we give our lives to Jesus? Well, we learn that we mean the world to him. And that anchors us in our deepest identity. And the second thing we learn is that we are not the center of the universe. That we are to give ourselves away to another. That's the life of following Jesus. That we realize how loved we are, how cherished we are, how much purpose God has for us. We mean the world to him, but we are not the center of his world. He is. And this is how relationships work. And just by review, here's a slide summary of all the different kind of relationships that, um, that in essence have been offered in Ephesians. Jews and Gentiles submitting to one another. What? Men and women, rich and poor, husbands and wives, fathers and kids, masters, slaves, which we spent a lot of uh, specific time on to unpack two weeks ago. You can go back and check that. We also did employees and employers. All of this radical picture of submitting to one another and, and the resistances that we've had. There's one last resistance I want to offer us that speaks to baptism. We don't like submission just because we've seen bad examples of it or have experienced bad examples of it. Or we, we have a, a misunderstanding of it or a, the wrong perception of it. At our very core, the reason why we struggle with this whole thing is because you and me, every single one of us, have this broken piece in us that is continually wanting to take Jesus off the top of the triangle and put ourselves where we want to be in control, where we want to pull all the strings, where we want to work everything out in our favor, where we want to tilt the scales, where in essence, We want to become our own God. This goes right back to the very core sin, the very first temptation in the the Genesis story where the tempter comes along to Adam and Eve and he questions the trustworthiness of who God is and his character and whether he really loves us and really wants the best for us and then he just seeds 
this lie. Here's what the tempter says to Adam and Eve. He says, for God knows that when you eat from this tree, the one thing you're not supposed to do, eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be open and then get this, and you will be like God. See, that was the false promise. You eat from this, you, be, you can become like God. You can put yourself at the top of the triangle. And what happens when we do that? What happens? Man, all sorts of crazy. All sorts of crazy. You got to, if you're at the top here, you got to prove to yourself your worth. You got to prove that you got to work your way to the top and you end up having to use the other person in order to, to prove that you are entitled and have earned to be at the top. It is a never ending cycle. In essence, it means that you have put yourself at the center of the universe and you will use everyone else at your means to try to keep yourself here. And I just got to ask, where is that true for you? It's true for me. How does that reflect in, in your life and how's it working? How's it working? We were designed in the rightful order of creation to be here, receiving the love and the grace of God flowing into us, speaking into us who we are, that we mean the world to him, and that we can give ourselves freely away to others. That's the right created order by the deep heart of God. And when we creep back up here, everything goes awry. And it's exhausting. And you try to hold on so tight to make everything work. You try to take everything in your own hands and your own power. And just, I mean, just look at the picture to be as telling. You can't be here and here. It's some sort of weird spiritual personality disorder that we're, we're all stuck in. And so baptism, and in a moment communion is no different, is where we simply say, I'm going to remove myself from all the pressure, all the weight, all the resistance, all the internal fight of trying to remain at the top. And Jesus, I'm just going to say, you're my king, you're my savior, and you're my Lord. And for those that are getting baptized, and for maybe you, you're feeling that nudge that God's speaking, God's moving. He's not calling me to a desert road between Jerusalem and Gaza, but he might be calling me to Kill Creek Park. This is the ultimate surrender. It's a beautiful one. It's a freeing one. And it's ultimately what you're declaring. I'm no longer the Lord of my own life. He is. And I'm going to trust him with it. And I'm going to walk in it. And I just, I just want to ask, is there anyone here today that just goes, yep, that's me, and I know now's my time. Now's my time. And if that's, if that's true, if this has kind of been bubbling even before you walked in this room, but certainly now, would you just raise your hand and just go, yeah, I think this is my time. It's awesome. It's awesome. That's awesome. This is my time. It's awesome. Well, so I, I, here's what I want to do. I just want to, I just want to lead, lead us in a, in a prayer of just saying yes to Jesus. And then I'm going to say, basically what happened for Philip and the Ethiopian statesman is that we give our lives to Jesus and then we go find water. And so let me first just offer a prayer that you can just repeat after me, say out loud. There's no magic in the words. There's no formula to this. It's just you saying yes to God. So let's pray together. I'm going to give you just 20 seconds just to, just to take a breath. 
Just collect your thoughts. I'm going to ask you the same three things just to say yes to that we'll be saying yes to next week at Kill Creek Park. Are you today saying yes to Jesus as your Savior and your forgiver for all your sins? Just say yes. Are you today committing to follow Jesus all the rest of your days, however imperfectly, but in earnest, to follow him as Lord? Just say yes. And are you today declaring that you're locking arms and joining the family of God, also called his church? Just say yes. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray a seal upon each and every person whose heart has been so moved, whose mind has said, yes, I believe, and I'm ready to walk in it. Would you place a seal upon them, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, could you raise your hands just one more time and just say, yep, I did that. Can we just join all of heaven in celebrating with you? It's amazing. It's incredible. So whether you're processing, thinking, not sure whether today you, you just like drove the stake in the ground, we want to just be like Philip and the Ethiopian statesman who says, like, look, here's some water. What's going to stop me from going there? And that's next Saturday. Would you sign up so we can know how to support you and care for you in that? And um, also, after the 11 o'clock service, there is a baptism class. You can find out all about that. Um, at the hub. I want us just to watch um, uh, the baptism video from last year, just so you all have, and we all have a celebration point and a picture, and then we'll wrap up with communion together. Let's watch.